Well, hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. My name is Dan Clarkson King. I'm a Yorkshireman from the UK. Uh, I spend a vast amount of my time in the Himalayas kayaking and when I'm not in the Himalayas, I spend it in North Wales. This podcast will be my ramblings, insane or otherwise, about kayaking adventures, principally across the Himalayas. There will be some chat about boats, there will be some chat about kit, but there'll also be a lot of talk, I'm hoping, about people that I feel have influenced, not just myself, but the kayaking world in general, people that don't push themselves forward in the media, people like Professor Wizpop, Crazy Dave, Roundy, Horst Hattinger, a lot of people listening to this as kayakers won't know those names. You may know the names Charlie Munsey, Dave Mamby. You may even know the name Anton Slaveshnikov. I'm hoping that during the course of these podcasts that those guys will come forward and we can do little interviews. Uh, or they, maybe they can take control of the podcast for a while and talk about their adventures. One person that I'd be really keen to talk to as time goes on is a guy called Nick Malabar. Nick Malabar runs System X in the UK, who import Cockatart, Werner, Watershed, various other things. Nick was instrumental to how I understood kayaking. And that was principally by the fact that when I was growing up as a kayaker in Britain, he was involved with bringing in really cool gear, even back then. And I idolised, I think his best mate at the time, or one of his close friends at least, uh, a guy called Sean Baker. I idolise Sean. And in this first little podcast, you know, I want to talk about that. In my in my youth, you know, growing up as a northerner, learning to paddle on cold canals with dead hedgehogs in, in your mum's tights and an old woolly jumper and a walking cagoule with scouts and being scared of doing a left-hand high-breast support stroke because you couldn't do it and you always fell in. And then you swam and your mates laughed at you. Uh, that's, what I, that's what happened to me. Uh, I actually saw a video uh, quite early on in my paddling career of Sean paddling in Wales. Uh, in Toppers there was Sean, there was Chris Hipgrave. We should have Chris Hipgrave on the podcast. Uh, and Chris Hipgrave and various other guys paddling in North Wales. They paddled the Gamlin, the Cresta Run on the Prizer and the Falls of Clamberis. Also, at the time, Sean Baker was British number one rodeo paddler. Uh, back in those days, it was called hot dogging, which in this day and age, hot dogging sounds like something you do in a car park. So it went to hot dogging to rodeo and then to freestyle as we know it today. And Sean used to use an Eskimo topo. Now, when I learned to paddle, I learned to paddle in a Europa, first plastic boat I can remember. There was also a Piranha Freestyle, I think. Uh, my first boat I owned was a Black Dancer. But it didn't take me long to save up enough money to buy myself a Topo. And I bought a Topo because Sean Baker had one and I thought Sean Baker was cool. I didn't buy uh, the Topo early, early enough to get the one that had Spud written on the back. My topo had Topolino written down the side, it was purple. Uh, I've recently got a green one, uh, which is what Sean had at the time. But I, I had a purple one, I had purple Schlegel paddles, lime green dry top, lime green bonnet shade, 
Protec helmet with a cage on the front because we all wore cages back then I guess either that or we were really ugly I had to hide it but the helmet you know I wore I used to wear for polo as well which may be the reason anyway Sean Baker's waterfall video let's go and examine that I wore that VHS tape out I remember phoning Sean up at his shop his shop was called Playboater at the time and I remember phoning him up probably being a bit of a stalker asking him about paddles he used Slagle Alpines asking him about the Yakspot PFD oh, I've just been a general pain in the backside to him but you know he never told me to go do one which was nice and then when I got my topo and uh, I'd sort of learnt to drive after having my topo I guess I must have had my topo about a year 18 months and I learnt to drive and I thought you know I've watched these waterfall guys I can do these waterfalls myself I'm good enough now because obviously paddling on, paddling on Murfield Canal and the Washburn had taught me that you could paddle the gammon obviously but I thought I also want to do this this rodeo stuff and I turned up at my first rodeo event by myself thinking oh this is you know really friendly everyone's gonna everyone's gonna be super cool with me just turning up and hanging out with somebody and I remember driving to Nottingham from Leeds walking into the reception centre at Nottingham and chatting to the guys about going to the event that weekend and saying that I'd just bought a topo and I you know that's obviously the best rodeo boat at the time and all the guys behind the desk laughing at me because in Nottingham at the time I think they were using some piranha thing you know a boat that was probably more suitable to rodeo you know a boat that wasn't what 240 long but anyway I turned up at Nottingham I didn't pal very well I wouldn't imagine you know probably really geeky as well I probably 17 at the time really geeky spotty greasy hair didn't quite fit in didn't really know anyone but I stuck at it and I kept going and kept going and I paddled my topo loads and then we all used to blowtorch the back of the topos because that was obviously real performance orientated so you could do stern dips and one-armed bandits if that's even a thing one-armed bandits and it really helped you when you did a move called a diesel which I could never do but anyway I remember blowtorching the back of my my topo buying some Werner Wenatchee paddles purple ones and just paddling loads and loads and loads with this topo now I never got a chance to do the gambling I never got a chance to paddle the crest to run on the prize off on Berries Falls as a teenager went to university ended up getting in the GB rodeo team paddle squirt boat and was fascinated by squirt boats fascinated by a video called fun forever which is even now i think an amazing piece of kayaking history jim snyder jeff snyder uh for me define what modern kayaking is i'm sure a lot of kayakers on here may have to even google who they are but these guys are responsible i think for the evolution of our sport now, if you get a chance to watch the video, watch the video. If you get a chance to watch Metal Flakes as well, Metal Flakes is insanely good. But I got my first squirt boat. I had a shred made by Valley. And then I got a custom-made one, which was yellow and gold glitter, which was super cool. 
I've still got a yellow and gold glitter helmet that's brand new, so I'm going to start wearing that soon. Anyway, I then progressed from the Topo into the Acro 270. Now, when the Acro 270 first came out, I remember people saying, oh, you can't use this for river running, it's too slicey, it'll get caught on rocks, it'll get caught in, you know, undercuts and a right load of nonsense, really. But, you know, I've had a 270. I think we even cut the end grabs off it because the end grabs were a snag hazard. I mean, obviously, that's a load of bobbins, isn't it? And, you know, I regretted cutting them off straight away. But I had an Acro 270, and I quickly moved from the 270 to the Savage Fury, which at the time was proper niche. I mean, the Scorpion was really, really niche, Savage Scorpion, and the Fury... I had a couple of Furies, I never had a Scorpion. The the Fury was the first boat that I felt improved my performance since paddling the Topo. The Topo was the boat that took me from Class 3 to Class 5 in the UK. It was the first boat I did the Fairy Glen on the Conway, which, you know, is a test piece. Didn't do Fairy Falls at the time. I think I did Fairy Falls in a Savage Fury for the first time. Anyway, the Topo took me, you know, up in my rivers to falling off stuff and doing slides and generally paddling a little bit harder, doing the fledder, first drop on the fledder in my Topo. But the the Fury, I think, was the first boat that made me jump again and actually realise how edges worked, because obviously Topo doesn't have any, how edges worked, how a flat hull worked. And all that, so really nice boat there. Now, when I moved into North Wales to work and buy a house and live in North Wales, I bought a house really close to the Gamlin and walking distance to the Crestor Run on the Prizer. And even when, even you know, when I bought the house, this video of Sean Baker, uh, Yak, uh, and all, all this sort of stuff was still in my mind. I've done the Crestor Run quite a few times using various boats. And like I say, it's walking distance from my house. And the Gamlin, even now, the Gamlin, I think, is such an underrated river in Wales. Paddlers get caught up by what's on social media. You know, people want to do the Glen. Lots of people do the Glen. Lots of people do the Mefta in South Wales. People have sort of rivers that they tick off out of guidebooks and the gambling i don't know why the gambling seems to have been forgotten a little bit which is really strange because it's a you know it's a walking it's you park your car at the bottom and you walk and paddle back to your car so i don't know why people tend not to do the gambling you know it's strange really really nice run class four class five ish i'm a little bit hesitant to put grades on really because my class five and the, the emotions I feel when I run a class five are probably the same as somebody who's relatively new to whitewater kayaking when they paddle class two. So I'm really hesitant to talk about grades because this is not what this podcast's about anyway. But it's it's a steep, tricky river, and if you get pinned, you're going to get a bit uns- you know a bit wet, and you need friends that know how to get you out of the pin maybe. And if you don't have airbags in your boat and a pin, your boat will sink. It's not one of those sort of rivers. Steep, not deep, but really fun. That's the Gamlin. That's super close to my house. Flows into the Maudak, if you ever get a chance to run the Maudak. 
that's also really awesome. But like I say, I really want this podcast, this is the first one, this is sort of introducing who we are, who I am. I really want people that inspired me in all my 20 years of Himalayan paddling to come on board and have a chinwag. And I really want people that inspired me in Wales as well to come on board. People like, like I say, Professor Wizpop. And I'm going to say the name Professor Wizpop because nobody will know who he is. So it's irrelevant whether I use his proper name or not. And Bob Robinson, I'd love to have these two guys on. It'd be really nice to have Spike Green on as well, talking in Little Collins, talking about Welsh pioneer stuff. There's a guy who is super influential in North Wales kayaking. It's a guy called Mel P. People listening to this podcast, kayakers listening to this podcast, even people that know North Wales will not have heard of Mel P. Mel P is retired now. He's a plasterer by trade. And I met him in the Bridge Cafe in Blyna Festiniog over a bacon sandwich. He was eating the bacon sandwich, not me, because I'm veggie. And I asked him, I said, Mel, is it true that you did the first drop on the goidel back in the day in a transparent dancer with no backrest and peg footrests? Now, for those that don't know this drop on the goidel, it's super steep and lands on bedrock. And it's flat. And most people put him below it when you do the goidel. But I asked Mel, I said, is it true, Mel, that you did this drop? And the sum of Mel's answer was, I... So would you like to elaborate? Not really. So, you know, people like Mel, he did that drop first. I don't think many people have done it since, actually. It's like Raider Maudak. Mel was uh, in the first descent team that did the Raider Maudak. That was Phil Blaine and Mel, as far as I'm aware. I'd love to be told I'm wrong on that, but I think it was Phil and Mel. And then Lowell went in after Phil and Mel. But anyway, I'd really like to find out as well, you know, who did the pistol gain waterfall first, you know, or at all, because that's a bit of a myth. But I'm sure it goes. People have looked at it for years. I'm sure that's paddleable. So, I've, like I said, I'm just rattling, really. I will be talking in later podcasts, and I'll probably break them down episode by into episodes about solo first descents in Nepal, speed descents in India, one day descents of multi-day trips in India. I'll talk about North American Triple Crown, the Alsex Sitness to Keen. Probably talk about Walt Blackadder a little bit as an influence. And that'd be really cool if people fired me off some messages and stuff like that. I won't talk a lot about Pureland Expeditions, the company I own, who run trips around Himalayas, principally because this podcast is not to promote the company but every now and then I will talk about it uh, as a story I will likely talk about gear that I really love I've discussed the Topo and the Werners stuff like that so I'll probably talk about gear that I love there's no sponsors involved I don't even think there's ever going to be sponsors involved it's not that sort of podcast I will also be talking about terrorism London bombings AK-47s, shoulder-mounted rocket launchers, really deep, dark gorges where people can't hear you scream, working for TV companies, scratching a brand-new Nissan vehicle, on a making a commercial for kayaking, doing films for Nissan Outdoor Games, 
paddling in the Alps and pretty much anything I want to talk about. I'll probably talk about running the Glen for the first time at some point. I could even talk about running the Glaslin. I ran the Glaslin today. Abba Glaslin Gorge, it's really close to my house, I love it. The Glaslin Gorge is a beautiful run, beautiful run. I've been running it since 96-ish, something like that, mid to late 90s, probably the topper, uh, mid to late 90s. Now, it's got a little red and green tick cross gauge, so you can see if it's got water in it or not. And today, the water, super early this morning at dawn patrol on it, the water was up to the footpath, so the tick was completely under, and the water was up to the footpath on the river right at the putting. wasn't up to the catwalks on the river left, which I know it's been paddled at by a few people. My favourite level is the level it was at today. It gets a little bit fruity when it's on the road, but it's so much quicker, it's about a minute and a half. <laughs> it's probably a bit longer than that. But when, it, when it's on the road, it's super, super quick and a little bit scary. But at this level, it was nice. And then I went over and did the Ogwin today. The Ogwin, for those that don't know, is a amazing classic river in North Wales. I first ran that when I was a greasy-haired, spotty teenager in a topo where I thought I was the much nuts because I had a topo and a set of Schlegel paddles and a Protec helmet and lime green gear. I thought I was the done. I wasn't driving at the time. I remember driving down from Leeds as a passenger with my friend Simon Gregory and a guy called Matt Street. Matt Street's brother Dan Street was had just graduated from Bangor Uni, if I remember rightly. Dan's a teacher, works up on the A55. And uh, we got to the point, and I was quite starstruck by Dan because I'd read a magazine article in the magazine called Canoeist and I think it was called The A5 Warriors by Dan's friends, I forget the names, A5 Warriors and they'd basically written an article about paddling across the rivers on the A5 go down the A5. Now, I got there and I was super starstruck oh, which is weird isn't it, you know, like it's a magazine article but I was really starstruck. I remember getting changed in the ha one of the houses uh, on the, not far from the Ogwen and getting on. And it was low by standards I run it now, but I remember feeling really anxious and they were all laughing at me and my topo because they all think they had Gatinos and Free Falls and stuff like that. Big old boats. But I, I loved it. It was a great run. A great, great run. And I went to... From there, you know, I think we just did the one lap and had tea and cake and went back to Leeds. But I, you know, I love the Ogwin. The Ogwin's this. I met a friend on it today, a guy called John Heaton, and he's not paddled white water for a number of years. He's been busy sea kayaking. Now, I met John quite a few times years ago. He's paddled extensively in, you know, Himalaya and Britain. I'm sure he's been down to Latin or South America and Europe and all those places. And again, he's one of those guys that people don't really know who he is. But it was really nice to meet him on the Ogwin today. We paddled down and put the world to rights talking rubbish and it was really nice. What I did notice today though on the Ogwin was there was quite a few paddlers on there that I'm not saying shouldn't have been on because I'd never say that. 
but there was a lot of paddlers on there that were losing gear, taking swims and dropping paddles and stuff like that. Now, I'm not sure if in this age of social media, GoPros and guidebooks and such like, that people don't scout as often as they should. I also don't know if people try and progress way too quickly and jump on rivers when before they're ready. I don't know the answer to that, you know, it's not my specialism. But the people that were losing gear, there was a, there was a few, didn't seem to be bothered about chasing it also, there were at least two, you know, just laughing and joking, you know, we'll pick the boat up at the bottom. Now the Ogwins, the bottom of the Ogwins is the sea, so unless you're going to paddle out to sea, you're probably not going to get your boat at the bottom. But anyway, I hope everyone was safe and I'm not picking on anyone for that. You know, I, I think it's just a culture thing at the moment. But there's a big eddy on the Ogwin anyway, when you run down, when you go past the A5 bridge, there's a big eddy. And if you're clever, you can go shopping in that eddy. There was a couple of foot plates in there today. I think there was a hip pad and a seat pad. And I found fur lines in there in the past and dry bags and uh, paddles and fur lines, uh, stuff like that. So people just look after your gear, really. Make sure you're paddling in a group that you trust and that can get you out of bother. If you get into difficulty, make sure that your peers that you paddle with know how to deal with your difficulties and vice versa, you know how to deal with theirs. If you're paddling at a class four level, make sure you know how to get your stuff together and rescue each other in class four. The same goes for class three, class two, class one and class five, I guess. Now, it is, I'm just rambling really now because I want to make, try and make this at least a half an hour and it's 21 minutes. But I hope you've enjoyed this sort of introduction. I've really enjoyed talking to nobody. But I hope you're listening because it will get better. I'm likely to bang another one of these out super quick. You know, just because I want people to start to listen. People can find me easily, in, you know, email me via PLM Expeditions. Just go on the website beyondexpeditions.com, which obviously is where we sell trips, but if you want me to talk about something relevant, you can just find me on there and email me, or you can find me on Facebook, Darren Clarkson King. Send me a message, I'm quite happy for that, or Twitter, you can probably find me on Twitter or Instagram or stuff. Now, I really do laugh at digital natives and people that do stuff on social media and all that stuff, but at 44, I think I, think I can, you know, I can get away with it as a grumpy old man. But it's probably quite important that people do this sort of stuff. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for just being around. You know, that's it. Have a great night. I'm recording this at night time. But have a great night. If you're listening to this in the daytime, have a great day. And I'll catch you again soon.